Sons of Saturday, Virginia Tech Hoops Pod. We're recording on Friday morning, June the 3rd. Ed Williams, we are back. We haven't recorded in a couple months, basically since the end of the uh, end of the basketball season uh, when the Hoagies lost in the opening round of the NCAA tournament uh, to Texas. We had a whole discussion about what the roster could look like next year. We recapped the season. We didn't know who was coming back, who was staying. We didn't know anything about potential transfers yet. We got all that information now, Ed, so we figured it was probably time to hit record. Yeah, stuff's been trickling in over the past couple months, uh, a transfer here, a departure there. Um, But we figured we'd kind of wait until the whole roster was uh, pretty much settled out, and it seems to be that currently. Uh, I think there's – Maybe one more roster spot the coaching staff could decide to use eventually, but uh, it seems to be the consensus is that they'll probably just keep that spot open um, in case, you know, a kid wants to come to college a year early or, you know, a late transfer, that kind of thing happens where, you know, there's a, there's a perfect fit and they could use that roster spot for that. But uh, as it stands right now, the roster is pretty much settled and this is probably who we'll see on the floor uh, next season for Virginia Tech. And I have to say it might be the deepest, most talented team uh, in a long time, it, even dating back to the Buzz Williams years. Definitely the Mike Young years. This is the deepest roster Mike Young's had in Virginia Tech. Um, it's a mix of experienced guys in a Hokie uniform, experienced guys at other college, uh, college programs, um, and some really talented freshmen coming in as well, which I don't know. We'll get into the freshman too, too much on this podcast. We'll probably focus on uh, the departures and the additions via the transfer portal. Um, but, you know, this roster come tip off next year has the potential to be very, very deep and give Mike Young a lot of versatility and flexibility at all five spots. So um, it should be a really fun team. I, I, I really enjoy, really enjoyed the off season and watching what the coaching staff was able to put together. Um, they, they've clearly proven now that they know how to use the portal. Um, so we'll, we'll just jump right into that, Mike, but unless you got anything else to add, we can just go ahead and start talking about who left and then we'll get into who came and replaced those guys, uh, right after that. Yeah, there was in, in particular, there was one pretty large shoe that we were waiting to drop Ed and yep. we have a hokey haiku from Brady Baker that we're going to read. We're going to steal, Steal a little something from the big sons of Saturday pod, but we got a hokey haiku uh, from Grady Baker, of course, frequent hokey haiku presenter. I don't know how to, how to best describe him, but he, he gives Pat Grayson and, and Billy plenty of hokey haiku material. Must be nice for young B-ball rosters are both stacked. Winter is coming. And we'll talk about it. the departures. I, I love it too. We'll talk about the departures, but there was one particular guy that we were waiting on a decision from trying to figure out, is he coming back? Is he staying? He was, you know, doing some summer workouts. We weren't sure if he was going to stay in the draft or not, but I tweeted something uh, in in the middle of Virginia Tech's run um, in, in January and middle of February. Justin Mutz loves college basketball, Ed. He loves playing college basketball. I tweeted that at the time, and boy, oh boy, Ed, was I right. He loves college basketball. He's coming back for another year. I want to get into departures and who's coming in, but 
I mean, I think we should lead off with Justin Mutz returning and how huge that is for, for this roster. Yeah, it, it is huge. And college basketball loves Justin Mutz just as much as he loves college basketball. He's the perfect college basketball player. Uh, and he's the perfect guy to kind of almost run this offense through uh, in the Mike Young system. So it makes a lot of sense, especially in the NIL world. We're seeing it all across college basketball right now. NIL is giving guys motivation to stick around in college uh, longer than they maybe would otherwise. Uh, guys like Drew Timmy and Gonzaga coming back for another year. Um, you know, Justin Mutz is probably in a similar mold where he could have gone and made a little bit of money overseas, um, that kind of thing. But the ability to make some cash while in college uh, is enticing for people to stick around. And Justin Mutz will, I would assume, go for a PhD now. He's already got a bachelor's and two masters. So he's kind of uh, running out of room on the on the refrigerator door. But, you know, I, I would assume PhD for him, but it is, it is a huge piece for this roster. Um, the continuity that him and Couture with guys like Padula and Maddox um, all coming back with the additions of the guys in the portal. Uh, it's it's a huge boost, and I think it easily raises both the floor and the ceiling for this team next year. Um, so, yeah, th there was never really a good indication as to which way Justin was leaning. Um, that apparently all the feedback he got from NBA guys, maybe from agents and overseas guys, and kind of doing a cost-benefit and figuring out maybe what he could get in the NIL world. We've already seen him do one NIL deal with Virginia Tech uh, fan base. Uh, so we'll see where it goes from there on the NIL, NIL side, but huge domino to fall. Um, I think it, it immediately raises both the floor and the ceiling. So I'm really excited to watch Justin Mutz for another year. Uh, Virginia Tech loves Justin Mutz just as much as college basketball does. So I think the fans have really embraced him and he's embraced the community. And uh, it's, it's a really cool thing to see that, you know, the NIL stuff in football is a little bit crazy, but so far in basketball, it's actually – somewhat had a positive impact. You know, we'll see what the effect of it is on recruiting down the line, but uh, keeping big names, uh, guys who normally would have just jumped for at the first chance they could to maybe make a little bit of money, keeping those guys around in college basketball is really good for the game and uh, really good for Virginia Tech so far. So happy to have Justin back, of course. Yeah, there's there's so much more parity in college basketball than there is um, in college football. I mean, that's pretty clear. You know, you got the, you got the Blue Bloods in college basketball every year. They're going to compete and they're going to be you know, one of the top, you know, eight to 10 seeds in the tournament, you know, on the, on the one or two line. Um, but, but what ends up happening too in, in college basketball is you get a lot of guys who, you know, don't really know what the future holds professionally. Like we see a lot of guys, you know, obviously want to go play in the NBA. That's the premier league in the world. Like that's where you want to be. But most guys don't end up in the NBA. They end up elsewhere. Really good college basketball players end up playing overseas, making a bunch of money. Uh, Justin Lutz, I think, you know, we don't know what his NBA future holds, but I think it's pretty clear he's going to have a, a professional basketball future. But as an aside, Mutz is going to be potentially one of the most decorated academic basketball players we've ever seen at the collegiate level, because this would be his fourth degree. And I thought of it from kind of two fronts. Number one, obviously, is the basketball side of it, which is the biggest part of it. It's like, OK, well, he went and you know, got feedback from the NBA, made a decision, you know, understanding that, you know, kind of where he stood in, in the current draft class and made a decision to come back to school. But the secondary part of it is he must be okay with doing another year of school work, Ed. <laughs> like, that's a pretty big, pretty big, like, life piece of it that, 
you know, I understand the, the allure of wanting to continue to play college basketball, but there's an academic piece that, that comes alongside that. Having to pursue now another another degree is, is fourth, which is pretty remarkable. It, school doesn't seem to scare Justin Mutz. I have a feeling he enjoys no. that. I think he enjoys school just as much as he enjoys playing basketball. If we're really looking at all the facts, I mean, yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous what he's done both on and off the floor. He's a super impressive dude and definitely happy to have him back. For sure. All right. So let's talk and, and we'll we'll talk more about months as we go along here as, as it pertains to the roster for next year. But let's talk about the departures first. And we can put them in a couple of different categories, right? We can talk about, you know, the graduates and guys who stayed in the draft, right? So Storm Murphy obviously graduating, um, may have, you know, he's still working out, probably has a professional future ahead of him, likely not in the NBA, for being honest, but probably overseas for sure. Um, I, I'm sure he's hoping to maybe latch on with a, with a summer league team, you know, as a non-draft invitee. Um, so he's, he's working out. He's clearly trying to continue to pursue basketball, which is great. You have Kevin Aluma, who had, was just in with the Wizards. Uh, was it yesterday or the day before it, as we sit here recording yep. on Friday? Um, so he's, you know, he's obviously getting some, some workouts in advance of the draft, which is awesome. Uh, but those two guys are kind of in that bucket of, graduating and kind of exhausting eligibility and, and staying staying in the draft. So you got those two key pieces moving on. You have two additional pieces, one who was a member of the starting lineup, another who was a rotational player who played quite a bit. Um, that's Mahima Lane transferring to UConn. And then you have David Gusan who's transferring to Kansas State. Now, these two guys are bucketed because they're both transferring out of the program. But the way I look at it too, Ed, is they're both transferring out of the program for the same reason. You know, Naheem Aline has been a longtime starter. Uh, he's been pretty key defensively for Virginia Tech. Obviously, he's he's very streaky as far as his offensive game goes. You know, he's very hot and cold. We've seen the best of Naheem Aline offensively two years ago in the NCAA tournament against Florida. We've also seen the worst of Naheem Aline offensively where, you know, he's really struggling to knock down a shot. Um, and, and, you know, Virginia Tech needed him to be kind of that spot-up shooter in their offense. Never really consistently became that. Right. But he was he was a significant contributor to this roster for three years. So he moves on to UConn. David Gusan was kind of up and down in the rotation as two years in Blacksburg year one, you know, played more than I think you and I both expected him to as a freshman. Um, but then as a sophomore, probably played a little bit less than we thought. Right. Considering kind of where he was on the roster after year one and kind of how he played in relation to the other freshmen kind of took, I don't want to say completely a backseat, but. He, he was less of a factor in the rotation in year two than I thought he was going to be. So his, his transfer out's no surprise. And quite honestly, Aline's transfer out is no surprise considering the talent that Virginia Tech has returning to the roster, the emergence of Darius Maddox, the incoming freshmen, the transfers in, which we'll get to in a second. You know, all of those factors contributed to both David Gusan leaving and Naheem Aline leaving. Yeah, I view it in, a, you know, to put it pretty simply, both guys leaving are doing so because the guys behind them are better and we're basically going in for their jobs. I mean, you know, Naheem Aline is a good college basketball player and I think he'll do really well at UConn. I think that was a really good landing spot for him. Um, but Darius Maddox is coming, man. And you can see it as the season wound down and, you know, the incredible shots, his offensive game, his three point shooting is, um, you know, kind of leaps and bounds ahead of Naheem Aline. And the hope is that Darius Maddox can get there defensively where, um, 
you know, he got better as the year went on, but he was never to the point where Aline was, was just a solid defender. I think Darius Maddox will get there, and he's just head and shoulders more talented than Naeem Aline is. I mean, we've kind of known that coming out of high school for Maddox. Uh, it took him a little time to adapt to the college game, but you knew once he figured it out that he was, you know, his ceiling is much higher than Naeem Aline. So, you know, that explains that one. And uh, David Gasson, yeah, never really, you know, stuck in the way that I thought he would in year two in Blacksburg. Um, I think that was largely due to how good Keve Aluma and Justin Mutz were. And now you have Justin Mutz coming back and, you know, there's really no spot for Gasson. He's not really a five. He can't really fill that center role that uh, was open with the Keve Aluma departure. So uh, with Mutz coming back, Gasson was kind of blocked. Um, and then not only was he blocked, but they brought in guys that are similar to him positionally and skill set wise via the transfer portal that he's going to have to compete with. So um, I, I view this as departures that were almost necessary in order for the program to take its step forward uh, coming off that ACC championship. So um, both guys, you know, Naheem Aline was a fantastic Hokie and caught a lot of flack that I don't think uh, he necessarily deserved, but we don't need to beat that horse any further. We've talked about that enough throughout the year. Um, so I'm excited for him. I think UConn was a really good landing spot. I think he'll do really well there. Um, and same with David Gasson at Kansas State. I think, you know, they both landed at, you know, power six programs in college basketball. So you can see that the talent is there and other coaches view it in the same way. Um, but that being said, you know, the guys right behind them and the guys that they brought in to Virginia Tech and to Blacksburg, uh, it would have been really tough to get those guys on the floor. So no hard feelings, totally understand where they're coming from. Um, but, you know, this is part of doing business and this is part of getting better as a program is you bring in better guys who force other guys out. It's just, it is what it is. It's, there's no other way to explain it. So as far as the guys coming in, you know, I want to talk about four guys in particular, Ed. One of them is an incoming freshman. I know we talked about, you know, kind of tabling the, the freshman, but there was one late addition to the roster that I want to talk about first. Um, that's an incoming freshman coming in from the high school level that we weren't sure was going to be a member of this recruiting class just because we weren't sure if Virginia Tech was really going to pursue an additional guy, you know, from the high school level. Um, you know, we know Rodney Rice is coming in. Um, we know MJ Collins is coming in. Like there's, there's talent coming into the program, right? Um, Patrick Wessler as well. Darren Buchanan, 6'7", 225 athletically gifted kid, all met in the DC metro area, Woodrow Wilson High School in Washington, DC. Um, he is a big time player. And I think he's got the college made, college ready body already, even if his offensive game might not be as ready as a guy like Rodney Rice. This Darren Buchanan addition is pretty underrated in my opinion, and a pretty huge get for Virginia Tech. I think they could be pretty happy with what they're getting. I know everybody's excited about Rodney Rice. Everybody should be, right? Um, everybody's excited about Collins and, and Patrick Wessler getting a seven-footer coming in. That's awesome, right? And, and people should be excited about that. Darren Buchanan has an opportunity, in my opinion, to potentially be the best player in this class. And I know that sounds absurd because Rodney Rice is coming in. We know what kind of offensive game he has. But, Ed, this Buchanan signing is pretty huge. I'm pretty bullish on his potential. Yeah, I am too. And if you just look at the surface level, you know, recruiting rankings, you won't see it. But 
uh, for a guy to be back-to-back DC player of the year, back-to-back DC champ, and to be the all-met player of the year, um, you know, the guys he's competing with for that award are Rodney Rice, are Tyrell Ward, um, are guys from DeMatha and, you know, all those other schools that are up here. And for a public school kid to win it, uh, that was pretty cool. But, you know, I think that public school piece is also why he, it doesn't pop in the recruiting rankings. I think he almost just got overlooked by the talent evaluators in this region due to all the talent at the private schools. Um, but yeah, I, I completely agree. I think he's a really, really good um, scout and signed by Mike Young and his staff. Um, and I'm really excited for him. I think he's a, he has potential to be a really good three or four year college basketball player. Uh, I view MJ Collins in that same light uh, as guys who are not one and dones, not, you know, two and dones like a Nikhil Alexander Walker, like many think Rodney Rice could be, but uh, I'm really excited about the potential of MJ Collins and Derby Buchanan as really good three, four year college basketball players. So yeah, I completely agree. I, I think he is being overlooked by not only talent evaluators, but also Virginia Tech fans. I think if you do your homework a little bit and, you know, pull up the YouTube highlights, you'll see that um, this kid's physically gifted and might take him a year or so to learn the college game, but the potential is off the charts and uh, it has not been accurately reflected in the online world, uh, how good Darren Buchanan really is. So great scout by the staff. I'm assuming that that was a uh, Mike Jones poll uh, just due to the region and due to all his connections up here, but um, awesome scout and signed by Mike Young. And I'm really looking forward to watching Darren Buchanan's career unfold in Blacksburg. All right, so let's talk about the other guys coming in, right, via the transfer portal. We talked about the guys transferring out. We talked about the late addition um, from the recruiting trail. So let's now talk about the guys transferring in. Because as we know, Ed, the transfer portal is such a huge part of the college basketball, and I mean football too, but such a huge part of the college basketball game now that there's multiple ways that you are going to improve your roster or lose players on a yearly basis. So there are three guys I want to talk about, Ed. So let's talk about Grant Basile first. He's got one year of eligibility remaining, transferring in from Wright State, 6'9", 225, average 18.4 points, eight and a half rebounds per game last year in the Horizon League. Not a great three-point shooter, but a really efficient offensive player. And he's a guy who I think will fit really nicely alongside Justin Mutz. Yeah, he's he's really good. (laughs) I'm really excited about Grant. Um, his stats last year weren't great from three, but in years past, he has shot it well from three. So it's kind of hard to figure out what you're getting from the three point line from him. Um, I think it'll be better than what we saw statistically last year at Wright state. I think, um, there's probably a variety of reasons for why he didn't shoot three very well, but the floor will be much more spread out in Blacksburg for him. So I do think you'll see, uh, Kevin Aluma, maybe better type three point shooting out of Grandpa Seal. So. I'm really excited about his game. Uh, he put up 21 against Arizona in the NCAA tournament. Arizona was the number one seed um, overall in the NCAA tournament, and he was able to drop 21 on them. He had a couple other really good games against Power 5 programs throughout the year in non-conference play at Wright State. So uh, from all accounts, that was a top-of-the-board guy uh, in the transfer portal for the Hokies, and they were able to go out and get him. Um, so I'm really excited about to watch him play alongside you know, Sean Padula, and especially alongside Justin Mutz, we've seen the passing ability of Justin Mutz. Um, so I, I think you can kind of slide him right in and replace Aluma 
not entirely because Kevin Olimo is, you know, a first team all ACC level guy most nights, but uh, Grandpa Seal's really good. And I think that he's, if, if, if it's much of a step down, it's not a huge step down. And um, I, I'm really excited to watch him play. I think he fits Mike Young's system perfectly. Um, and again, like you said, hammering the transfer portal is absolutely crucial. And Mike Young has shown now that him and his staff have the ability to identify, uh, pursue, and land guys out of the transfer portal who fit their system perfectly. And Grandpa Seal is definitely a good example of that. Yeah, I think we're, I, I didn't intentionally do this, but I realized we're kind of going from most experienced to least experienced kind of in that order. So let's talk about Melijah Petit coming in from Rice now. Okay, so 6'9", 260-pound forward, um, averaged 7.7 points, 4.2 rebounds, obviously Conference USA, different league than the ACC. Um, scored in double, double figures 14 times last year a good rotational piece to add into the fold. He has three years of eligibility left, has potential to, you know, develop into a more complete player in Blacksburg. I think he'll make an impact, Ed. Like, I think he'll he'll be in the rotation somewhere. I don't know how many minutes he'll get, but he must be thinking he's going to play some if he's committing to Virginia Tech over the likes of Pittsburgh, right, a, a conference opponent. Um, and, and coming in from Rice, I, I think he feels like he's got a chance to crack the rotation and be a contributor. Yeah, so I want to I want to take a look at that, you know, 7.7 and 4.2 points and rebounds game and um, highlight that that was done in 13 minutes a night, which is not a lot of time. So he was highly efficient at Rice in his limited time as a freshman. So uh, I'm excited about him as well, man. Like that's a it's a it's a style of player we don't have on the roster. It's a big bruising physical force. Um you know, I mean, I guess Buchanan kind of fits that role, but you don't expect him to be that as a freshman. And Petit's also two inches taller. So uh, I think it's a really good piece to counter guys like Armando Baycott in the ACC who you're going to run into, who gave uh, Mutz and Aluma a really hard time just physically, you know, big bruising guy. Petit's going to be able to come in and help alleviate some of that pressure on Basile and Mutz uh, defensively. I, I look for him to be um, a contributor there, but that 7.7 and 4.2 doesn't jump off the page until you look at it and see that it was done in very, very limited time. So I'm excited about Petit. I think that was a good scout again by Mike Young. I believe Petit was recruited by Young um, back at his time at Wofford. So there was some familiarity there already, which I'm sure helped. Uh, From the Carolinas. The yeah. So um, I think, you know, like you said, the three years of eligibility is really crucial there too. Um, gives you another guy in the building that, has the potential to be around for a little while um, because, you know, unfortunately Justin Mutz can't come back for another year, but we're going to need bigs at some point. And uh, I think Petit will find his way on the floor this year as a rotational piece, maybe that third or fourth big coming off the bench to play some good defense rebound and, and dunk at home because he's very, very physically gifted as well. And it's a big body and something that um, tech hasn't had a lot of. So I'm very excited about that one as well. 62% from the floor last year as a freshman. That's the seventh highest mark in Rice history among qualified scores. So you talk about the efficiency. That's that's a big deal. It's a big ad. I think he's going to be a key piece, um, especially defensively. Having guys with college experience is huge because we, you know, you know, you got guys coming in that are going to be able to contribute. Um, you know, uh, coming in from the high school level as freshmen, but 
it helps being able to add depth rotational pieces who have kind of been there and done that already, even if it's only been for a year. So speaking of guys who have only really played at the collegiate level for a year, let's talk about former four-star recruit, John Camden. Okay, so he battled injuries last year, right? Um, but he comes in to Virginia Tech, 6'8", 208. Um, obviously another guy to, to add into the front court for Virginia Tech. He's got four years of eligibility left. The talent's there. We know that. We didn't see him, you know, play a ton last year because of his injuries that he suffered, but comes into Virginia Tech and Camden in particular is a guy I expect to have a pretty big role, even though, you know, we can group him with Petit if you want in terms of guys who have collegiate experience. I mean, at least he's got like the practice experience and limited game experience, which I think definitely helps. But, you know, there's definitely going to be some some growing for him to do considering the injuries that he dealt with this past year as, as a freshman, but getting him to come in and have four years of eligibility left and a former four-star recruit, it's a pretty big addition for Virginia Tech. Yeah. Like, like I talked about earlier, raising the talent level in the building. Um, John Camden's really talented. He's a big dude. I'm interested to see the positional fit and usage. I think he's somewhere in between um, a four and a small lineup and a three and a big lineup because he does have the ability to shoot it. Uh, he's a pretty highly skilled guy, but for all intents and purposes, he did he basically redshirted last year. Um, he did not play basically at all due to his back injury at Memphis. Um, so it's a guy that again had familiarity uh, with Mike Young and the staff before. We, we, we recruited him pretty heavily when he was coming out of high school. Um, I'm sure their relationship had a big, big piece in why he decided to come to Blacksburg second time around. And um, I, again, just raises the talent level in the building. Um, which the staff has done a really good job of doing in a three-year um, window. So John Camden, really good guy, really good player, highly rated, uh, highly skilled. Uh, hopefully the back injury has kind of solved itself at this point and he's able to get a really good offseason in because um, he's a guy who I think could make an immediate impact um, at the three, four hybrid spot. Um, ability to spread the floor a little bit more than Mutz gives you and also put the ball on the floor, which is something that um, – Mike Young and, you know, kind of requires from all his guys. So John Camden, really good pickup. Grant Basile, really, really good pickup out of the portal. He was highly sought after. And then Petit is a guy who I think will come in and fill a role that this team didn't really have last year immediately. So uh, the staff did a really good job in the portal. All in all, um, you know, I guess if you don't really count Aluma going to the league, it's definitely a net positive in terms of uh, the roster departures and additions. Um, and I think honestly, in the long run, it could end up being a net positive, even with Aluma leaving, um, you know, good programs have guys go to the NBA. That's what you want to be doing as a program. So, um, the, you know, it is what it is, but all in all, you know, Basile, Petit and Camden, um, three really, really good additions to the roster and guys that, um, you know, Mike Young identified as people who can play in his system, and we've seen Mike Young's offensive system, man. It was pretty fun to watch in January. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what he's able to do with the rise in talent level in Hanhurst practice facility. So good job by this coaching staff, man. Yeah, no, definitely a good job. Just to wrap up Camden real quick, chose Tech over LSU. I'm sure Will Wade leaving definitely helped Virginia Tech in that case. You mentioned that Tech was in on Camden during his initial recruitment. Chose Memphis with Penny Hardaway, but listen to this offer list, right? Who he was considering down the stretch. Former Florida coach, Mike White, right? So he, he was looking at Florida. 
Miami with Jim Laranega and Jim Beheim with Syracuse. How about that offer list? So definitely talented enough, <laughs> definitely talented enough uh, to, to play at the ACC level. As far as the roster is concerned, like to your point, obviously really great job by the coaching staff and the transfer portal. They have now checked all the boxes for me. They can recruit at the high school level. They can recruit at the college level. I know some people still give Mike Young and his staff hell for, you know, missing out on Tyrell Ward. I am not in that camp. It is what it is. You're not going to get every single high-level prospect. You know, Virginia Tech lands Rodney Rice. You don't land Tyrell Ward. Okay, that's fine. Like, pick up, move on. You know, try to continue to add talent to the roster. And Virginia Tech did that. I think with getting John Campin especially, you're adding essentially another four-star. It feels like a four-star high school recruit because of how limited Mm -hmm. he played last year. He's kind of in a class of his own in terms of guys coming in. Because, yeah, he's got collegiate experience, but not really. I mean, for all intents and purposes, like you mentioned, Ed, because of the injuries last year, it really was like a redshirt year for him. Um, but it's you're adding another four-star to the roster with limited experience with four years left. So, you know, when you consider all the other guys coming in, Rodney Rice, a high-level recruit, you add Patrick Wessler, a seven-footer, who I think will certainly contribute to Virginia Tech down the line. Um, you, you add an MJ Collins. You, you add a Darren Buchanan. Like, this is a pretty talented roster before you even consider the guys who are transferring in with considerable college experience and Elijah Petit and Grant Basile. So this is this is big time. And when you add in the fact that Justin Mutz is coming back, there are going to be some guys, I think, to be honest with you, Ed, you know, with a lot of, uh, you know, uh, we're looking at the roster from a freshman standpoint, say there's a lot of talent coming in the door. How much are these guys going to play, though? Right? Like, Look at the look at the depth with Hoover Chain Tech bringing in with guys who contributed at the college level before. Add in what's coming back. I mean, there are going to be some of these freshmen who aren't necessarily going to contribute as much as fans think they are, and I think a lot of that has to do with the depth of the roster that Mike Young's developed. Yeah, I th- I do think that uh, Rodney Rice will obviously um, play. play significantly minutes at the one and the two, backing up Sean Padula. Um, I also do think there's a very um, conceivable path for MJ Collins to get some decent minutes as the year progresses uh, as kind of a three and D guy to alleviate uh, Maddox and Couture and those Couture at the three and those smaller lineups. I think MJ Collins is um, there's definitely a path for the two guards coming into play. Um, But you're right on Buchanan and Wessler. It's going to be tough. I mean, Buchanan, conceivably could find a way to get some minutes behind Justin Mutz. They're very similar players, similar games. Um, but it's going to be hard, man. It, it's really interesting because last year we were so guard heavy and now all of a sudden we're so front court heavy, um, which is a good problem to have, but you're right. And the guys like Patrick Wessler, it's going to be tough to get them on the floor. That being said, he's also the only seven footer. Well, no, Lynn Kidd's seven footer. So there's still a ton still, of. Lincoln is still here. Yeah. Lincoln is a also a former four star. So yeah. it is going to be really tough for some of these bigs to, uh, you know, particularly Wessler and Buchanan to find their way on the floor as freshmen. But I think they probably know that. Um, they seem to be both guys with good heads on their shoulders who aren't coming in here. You know, they're not five star guys coming in here demanding minutes. So I do think that they, you know, while being recruited, obviously understood that. There was a path to them playing, but there was also a path to Mutz and Aluma both coming back. So uh, Mutz coming back shouldn't be a total surprise to these guys. They're both highly skilled guys who I think are, you know, as sophomores and juniors, 
going to be really, really good college basketball players. But you're right. It is going to be tough for those two in particular to get on the floor as freshmen with uh, Mutz coming back and the addition of Basile and Petit and Camden. But I do think, obviously, Rice is going to play. And I, I'm pretty high on MJ Collins. I think he'll find a way on the floor in some role early in the year. And, you know, we've seen Mike Young kind of contract the rotate, rotation as we get into ACC play. Um, I think you'll see more of that again this coming year um, as he finds out, you know, who who's ready and who's not. But in the early going, I, I, I think, you know, there's just so much talent on the roster. You'll see bits and pieces of everybody. And then as the year progresses, uh, the rotation will get smaller and smaller. And you'll, you know, you'll see that six, seven, eight, ideally eight man rotation um, as, as ACC play gets underway. But, you know, Padula, Maddox, Couture, Mutz all coming back. The addition of Basile, Petit, Camden, um, Rodney Rice, and then the other freshmen as well. There's, there's a lot of talent on that nine right, right now. Um, nine right there. Ed. Yeah, it's it's crazy, man. It, it really is. So yeah. he's got – Mike Young's got the ability to do a lot of different things. Uh, this is the most versatile lineup he's had uh, for sure. Um, you bring in guys like Camden and, you know, Mutz and even Basile who can kind of play over the course of the three of them, three positions easily – um, Mutz can play a couple different positions. Camden can play a couple different positions. Uh, even Couture at the three is kind of interesting because he's really more of a, a shooting guard, but he's probably going to have to play the three uh, in this lineup or in this, you know, the way things are right now. So I'm really interested to see how it goes. We can speculate it all we want, but we're in June right now, so we really have no idea what's going to happen. Um, but there's just a lot of versatility in that building that Mike Young and his staff are going to get to play with, and it, it's going to be really fun to watch. Yeah, and if guys are banged up, you – got depth you can rely on I mean you name nine guys without even naming MJ Collins right I mean you, you talked about leading up to when you named the nine guys on the roster then you didn't even mention MJ Collins when you went down the list that gives you an idea of how deep this roster is yeah and I'm just going to get out ahead of this because I mentioned how bullish I am on Darren Buchanan as a four-year player <laughs> yeah yeah he's going to contribute right away you know there's there's too much somebody's going to have to sit because there's so there's only so many guys you can play so I, I think there's potential for certainly potential for Darren Buchanan to, to potentially play, like you mentioned, similar player to Mutz. You know, he could get some minutes, but he's not going to play like 15, 16 minutes a night or something like yeah. that as a freshman. Um, I'm not sure how many of these guys are going to play that much. I mean, maybe Rodney Rice. We'll see. Um, he's definitely going to play. But we've also seen – we've also said that in the past about really talented guys coming in. You know, everybody was high on Joe Bamisil. Everybody was really high on Maddox all these guys coming into the program that we thought were going to play a bunch as freshmen that didn't necessarily play as much as we thought they would. Then all of a sudden you got a guy like David Gusson getting more minutes than we thought as a freshman. So it all depends on how Mike Young feels about how his team's defending number one, how they're taking care of the basketball number two. Like those are the two big items for freshmen. I mean, it's important for the whole roster, but two big items that he has to be comfortable with, uh, with his freshmen or young guys to play. And as the year went on last year, we saw that a reason why Padula started getting more playing time, a reason why Darius Max started to get more playing time, they were defending better at. Like, they were not defending as well at the beginning of the year as they were at the end. And a big reason why they started to get as much playing time as they did was because of their ability to defend. So really talented roster, really deep roster. This is the deepest Virginia Tech roster maybe ever. <laughs> I mean, certainly in the last 10 or 15 years, it's the deepest roster Virginia Tech's had. Um, 
they, they've had a lot of talent come in the building between the Buzz Williams era and the Mike Young era. And certainly Seth, some of Seth Greenberg's teams had had plenty of talent, but this is the deepest roster I can remember for Virginia Tech. Yep, there's a lot, lot going on. Um, the front court is going to be really interesting to see kind of who snags the the backup four, the backup five type role. Um, the the guards were actually ironically thin at guard almost. Um, you know, who that backup point guard is really going to be doesn't matter a whole lot um, as long as, you know, you can get Padula, uh, you know, five minutes of rest uh, without turning the ball over 150 times. But I do think the backup point guard for um, all intents and purposes will be Rodney Rice. I also yep. think he'll all be the backup too. Um, yep. I'm higher on Rodney Rice than even the recruiting sites are. I, I think he's better than his ranking and his ranking's already really good. Uh, I think he's a really, really good player. So um, I'm really excited to see how, you know, his career unfolds in Blacksburg, but you're right, man. There's, there's a lot of guys in the building that are going to be vying for playing time. Um, and yeah, like I mentioned, Lynn kid, you know, I mean, we talked about him because uh, he basically has redshirted almost two years now, but you know, he's a seven footer with like a 40 inch vert. Gonna, you think at some point he's going to figure it out and be able to get on the floor. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can play him and he doesn't even have to be able to dribble. I mean, he literally can just block shots and rebound. So um, there's, there's plenty going on here. Uh, we just wanted to jump on here and touch on kind of who left, who's jumped in the boat via the portal. Um, and then we'll obviously do, you know, if anything changes throughout the rest of the off season, we'll jump back on and talk again. Um, but I know we're going to get hijacked by football at some point. Um, yeah. yeah. I like talking about basketball a lot more and this was a good reason to jump on here and, update everyone on where the roster stands. Uh, I do know that there was a, a game announced against Oklahoma State in New York in December. Uh, so all the New York and New Jersey Hokies can uh, mark that on their calendar. That should be a pretty fun uh, out-of-conference matchup similar to St. Bonaventure in Charlotte last year. Um, so there's, there's a little bit of a scheduling update there. But other than that, I, I'm pretty much wrapped up here, Mike, unless you got anything else to add. Only thing I'll add before we wrap up, the one of the best home games I had ever seen as a student, because when I was a student, the tech basketball team was garbage. My senior year was Buzz's freshman year. Buzz's freshman year. Buzz's first year at Virginia Tech. So that gives you an idea. I was there for the for the last year at Greenberg, the two horrible James Johnson years. But James Johnson's first year in Blacksburg, Virginia Tech hosted Oklahoma State, Tyrone Nash, Marcus Smart. Um, God, who else? I mean, that team, that team was loaded. Um, Travis Ford was coaching him. They had a really good team. Um, came into Blacksburg, Tech knocked him off. Hokie started like seven and oh. They were nationally ranked after they beat Oklahoma State on like a Saturday at noon in Castle. It's one of the loudest I've ever heard Castle. Um, that game was insane. And then Virginia Tech won like three games the rest of the year. So, <laughs> with that being said, go to the Oklahoma State game in New York. It'll be sick. It'll be a good time. So, that's all I got. Ed. I'm good, man. I, I think we've, you know, we can talk about roster combinations forever, but yeah, you know, until we, we get a little bit closer, there's really no point to speculate. Uh, really, really talented roster, really good off season. And I'm looking forward to uh, tip off of next year and seeing what the staff is able to do with all these awesome pieces they brought in, but yeah, all good. All good here. Yep. Cool. All right, Ed, we'll talk soon. Good update. Go Hokies. Mm-hmm.